So people come into these um, arts, Qigong meditation or whatever, for all sorts of different reasons. You get people coming in for health and uh, people coming in just for interest or you know, maybe they come along because someone else recommended it or something. Um, but, but one of the biggest sort of the heavier end of reasons for it, I suppose, is what I call uh, the path of cultivation. So to some people, the path of cultivation uh, is just anything, you know, just the general term for something. But I think it's more specific than that. Someone who's seeking cultivation is someone who's aiming, aiming essentially, if you, if you want to use such a term, for the higher end of things, awakening or enlightenment. Now, to many, that will seem um, a daft aim. And there's lots of people say, well, you shouldn't strive for such a thing or such a thing. What does it even mean or, or something like this? But, you know, whatever you think, um, your personal views, there are a lot of people coming into these arts for this reason. Uh, and increasingly, um, you know, just looking at the rationale people have when they come into the school, in my school that I teach, uh, more and more people are coming for those reasons. When I first started teaching, it was all about health. So those people were coming because they had problems, um, especially with Neigong, not so much for martial arts, but with Neigong they were. And then uh, what happened over time was this started to change. The trend started to switch towards more towards, look, I'm a cultivator. This is what I want to do. And normally what you get is the, the same kind of messages come through. First of all, they want to understand, you know, how does all this work? This is brilliant. And then they get effects, they get results, and then that's exciting. But then almost always they start to make the transition towards, look, I want to dedicate my life to this. I want to do this. And you get a lot of these emails. And it used to be when we get a, the first couple come into the school, it used to stress me out. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, these people are taking it really seriously. What am I going to do? I don't want to let these guys down. Um, and then gradually you just get used to it after a while. But you get a lot of what we do. We receive a lot of emails saying, look, this is what I'm going to do full time. This is what I'm going to study. Now, at that stage, um, really those are the people that I would consider cultivators, people that are really looking like, this is what I want to do with my life. Not the same as the people who say, look, or contact you, day one, how do I become a teacher in your school? You get lots of those, like I've never met them, they've never done any practice before and they straight away want to become a teacher. I always um, stay clear of those people as best I can or advise them elsewhere because I don't think that's the right attitude. Um, I think that if there's no love for the arts uh, at the core of all this, and then, then all of this whole path is fruitless, ultimately. I don't think anyone should aim to be a teacher of other people from the beginning. I think you should aim to develop yourself and, and a teacher role should maybe evolve spontaneously out of that. But cultivation is what a lot of people are after. So for those who are interested in that, like cultivation is what they want, um, there's a few things you should know, I think, and this is really one I wanted to discuss um, this evening uh, while I'm here. So the first thing to understand for cultivation is that really what we're talking about is trying to touch upon the deepest parts of these traditions. Now, that doesn't mean the skills. That's not the same thing, because some people come to, especially Neigong, because they've um, seen some of the more esoteric sides with the, the kind of cool abilities that come out of it to do with Qi. Um, and some people come to Tai Chi because they've seen the Fa Jin, you know, the, the bouncing force or, or whatever. Um, and both of those, not really cultivation. I wouldn't consider those people cultivators. I would consider those people who are, um, well, chasing power. And I never think that's a good idea. I don't think that's, that's a wise reason to do things. Cultivator is somebody who essentially, if we take it to its extreme, wants to free themselves uh, from the cycle of rebirth, um, I suppose, and wants to uh, shed the karma and cultivate uh, spirit and, and essentially achieve union, some kind of uh, union with, with Tao or, or whatever you want to call it, depending on the different traditions. Um, myself, I float between 
I mean, primarily people know me as a Taoist teacher, um, but I also study Buddhism and Hinduism as well within several lineages. But they, they all um, essentially talk about very, very similar things at the high level. So the first thing is somebody wants to cultivate to that level, um, they should understand, first of all, that that's uh, incredibly difficult. I mean, that's a very, very tricky thing. That's not an easy thing to do. I think part of the, the problem with uh, the way things are in contemporary times is a lot of new age teachers or a lot of um, uh, modern contemporary teachers who've just kind of self-realized, you know, realize the nature of self with no system or, or whatever and become sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know, sort of gurus in their own right. They, they talk about enlightenment or awakening often like they're very, very simple things to do. And they talk about like as if they're awakened or enlightened themselves, uh, which is not the case. Um, I'm not awakened. I'm not enlightened. Definitely not. I'm still a schmuck. Um, but I have no problem admitting that um, because to be awakened is actually, first of all, a lot more difficult than people think. Um, and far fewer people have achieved it than um, you would. Well, far fewer people have believed it than have achieved it than who claim to have achieved it. You only have to look around on the internet at the modern spiritual scene. Everybody says they're self-realized or awakened or enlightened. That's really not the case. They are very, very high-ended things to do. I mean, people disappear to the Misty Mountains and do 50 years training um, to achieve such things. So it's, uh, you know, in your average modern Western guru seems to manage on a six-week trip to India or something like that, which is really not the case. And I think that um, the first thing to realize is basically if that is your aim, that if you truly do have a burning desire to do that, you should recognize that you're striving to achieve um, possibly one of the most difficult things that a human being can achieve. Um, and secondly, you know, that's it. Like that's, that's a life goal. That's your life going to be taken doing that if that's what you, you wish to do. And sometimes I've said that to people and they look disappointed, like they could kind of be a cultivator, but it's a hobby at the same time. And it's like, it's not like that. You can, you can study these things as a hobby. Of course you can. Uh, I've got no problem with that. Casual study of an art is great. It gives you something to do, a bit of exercise, could be health, a bit of interest, communities are joined, things like that. But um, it's not, the, not a cultivator can't do that. It's not a hobby, it's a life path. Second thing to understand if you want to be a cultivator, and this is really what I'm talking about, like what do you need in order to successfully cultivate? First of all, you need a burning desire. And that is the opposite of what most spiritual or new age teachers or whatever will say, because they always say, don't strive, you should have no desires. You do need a desire. You don't just need a, like a want to achieve this thing. If, if like, that's it, I, I need to achieve the highest possible level in the spiritual arts. At the beginning, you need a burning desire to do it. And I already know some of the comments under this video will be, don't listen to this guy, he's striving and you shouldn't have desires. If you don't have a burning desire to do it, you will never achieve it. It's just a fact. It has to be an all-consuming desire to get to that stage. But what you should also recognize is at some stage along the path, the burning desire should fade. It should go, and then you should not have that desire anymore, and it should just be the path is just natural. And this is what happens to, to a lot of people on these arts, that, and this often isn't talked about. Because what you should have is a burning desire to achieve the high, if, and you can't cultivate the desire. You either have it or you don't. Some people are not so interested, and fair enough. Some people, they have a burning desire, they gotta do this. Maybe that means the time is right for them. Who knows, maybe there's some bigger cosmic reason why, but they have this desire. Then the next thing that happens is that desire will carry you forward for a while, but then it should start to transition into a very natural state 
when you don't really know why you're training anymore. So when people ask you, why are you doing this? I don't know, I'm just doing it. It's like, why do I breathe? Why do I clean my teeth in the morning? Why do I get dressed? It's just a natural, it's a natural thing that you do. So for example, if people ask me why I train, I can't remember anymore, I don't know, it's just what I do. But I do remember that in the early stages when people asked me very much, it was like enlightenment, that was it. And people would laugh at me for that reason, but that's what I needed at the time. That was the burning desire that was there. Now what happens is the burning desire only ever lasts a certain length of time. If it lasts too long beyond, it's only about seven or eight years, if it lasts beyond that time, um, it becomes an obsession that becomes unhealthy. And what you normally see through these seven or eight year cycles is a transition from a burning desire into this is naturally what I do. Now at seven or eight year mark, give or take, that's normally when most people will quit because most people mistakenly think they have a burning desire to cultivate when actually what they have um, what would you call that? Like beginner's excitement or a novelty or enthusiasm. Let's call it enthusiasm because enthusiasm and a burning desire are not the same. Now enthusiasm will carry you for a few years, normally about seven or eight, and then when the enthusiasm fades, nothing will replace it. So what happens is all of a sudden the arts get dull. Like without the enthusiasm, all you're left with is the monotony of the nature of training. And when the monotony of the nature of training kicks in, um, then people normally quit. And that's generally what happens to most people. And this is why if you look at um, a lot of the teachings, they say, you know, in the old days, they were like, don't take a disciple unless you've seen them for seven or eight years. The phrase was sweeping the floor for nine years, sweeping the floor for eight years or whatever, saying that basically you watch people um, and you don't take them too far into the path until you've seen what happens. This kind of way of looking at it, uh, looking at students has kind of changed as time goes on, but it was definitely the classical sense of it. So what they were talking about really, okay, partially moral, you could see what someone was like over that period of time, but I think more importantly, what they were doing was checking the difference between a burning desire that was gonna, for, for liberation, that was gonna transfer into a very natural absorption into the path. So you're so absorbed into the training that that's it, that's your life. Or enthusiasm that was gonna peter out and turn into boredom and people would quit. And this is normally what happens. For most people, most people mistake enthusiasm for desire for liberation. They don't know it, but they'll find out about seven or eight years into their path, because that's about as long as enthusiasm can ever last, at the most, you know, three years for many people. Uh, as a teacher, you need to be wary of this, because certainly in the early days when I was teaching, um, I made this mistake many, many times, and I mistook people's enthusiasm for desire for liberation, and they'd say, they come, well, they did as well, you know, and they'd be like, I really want to do this. I'm like, all right. So I, I pile everything I can into helping them as much as I can, and I take them to Asia, and I try to teaching this and show them this and give them everything I possibly can to help them along the path because I think, well, this person's going to need everything uh, they can get for this, you know, this, but then often what they were functioning on was just enthusiasm, like a candle that burns brightly and goes out, you know. So this is the first thing you'll need, is you'll need that burning desire at the beginning that transfers into a natural state when you're absorbed into the practice and the desire fades. The initiating fuel, like the rocket fuel, is blasted and the rocket's off. Once it's in orbit, it's just floating. It's kind of like that's what needs to happen with your training, but you'll need to figure out if it's just enthusiasm, like excitement that will turn into monotony, because then you'll end up going and doing something else. So the first thing you need is that. You can't choose if you have a burning desire. Just like you can't choose if you have enthusiasm, that's either in you or it's not. You, I don't think you can cultivate it. So that's the first thing that's needed. Second thing that's needed to be a cultivator um, is a system. <laughs> You'll need a system of practice. That might sound obvious, but um, you'd be surprised how many people just don't have a system. 
they don't have a method to follow. And, and even you get uh, people saying, oh, there's no need for a system. So, or my favorite systems are just dogma. Well, maybe. Maybe you could say that a system is just almost like, they're talking about like it's an organized religion, you know, and it's constrictive man, and it stops you achieving your inner freedom or some shit, I don't know. But that's really not the case. If you do not have a system that is connected to a lineage um, that's gone on for generation and generation, what you don't have is multiple generations of accumulated experience, wisdom, trial and error, um, you know, wisdom that's come from fuck ups, you know, they've learned the mistakes and they've seen what's gone on. And, and basically a series of people that achieve very, very high levels within that lineage, providing your lineage is good, that will pass down the method to you. If, if you don't have that, um, then you're basically wandering in the dark. It, it's very, very difficult to achieve something without a system. Now, many of the things in the system will appear a bit pointless, you know, certain number of this, certain direction of face, a certain time and things like that. So people would discount them. But what you need to remember is you don't know, you don't know the mechanics behind those little tiny things. You don't know why that was included in the system. So what happens is people will discount something that seems irrelevant, but actually it was vital. And it's just because you don't understand the causation behind that part of the training. Um, and this is the other reason for a system. And if you're in a system is you must follow it 100%. Now, um, one of the, if, I have, if I've ever had any successes in my practice, whatever, however small they may be, one of the greatest boons that I have is I've always been able to follow the instructions I'm given to the letter. So whatever the teacher said, I did. And if there was something in the method that didn't make sense, I did it anyway. You know, they're like, face this direction. All right, I'll face that direction. There was no question. I didn't understand it. And I didn't think, well, I don't understand it, so it's clearly not important and take it out. I just followed it. Now that might sound obvious or easy to do, but I've now been teaching for quite a lot of years, I suppose. They're starting to add up, I'm getting older, you know, time moves on. And, and I've had a lot of people come through the door. A very, very small percentage can actually follow the instructions I give them. And, and when you see people, they're like, oh, I didn't do that because it didn't seem important or something. And they've taken out part of the system or they add things. That's the other thing. You give people a method, you say, do this. And then you see them a few months later and they're like, oh, how did you do that? And they're like, oh, well, I added this mantra I found on YouTube or I added this exercise I found on Google or I read this in a book. So I put it and they, they put all these different things in. Um, and then essentially what they're doing by doing that is they're not following the system. So I've noticed that very much this is the modern way that if I say to people, no, you have to follow the system step by step, do this. There, there's very much like a bulking against it. You know, I think we live in an age um, that is positive because people have a lot of freedom, freedom of expression, freedom to do what they want, freedom to identify themselves however they want, freedom with their sexuality and their life choices and all those things, great, like all that freedom. But the problem is that it's got so much so that people now don't um, have any ability to follow instructions or see anything wrong with just deviating and adding things in left, right and center from here and here and I'll cross train a bit of this and a bit of this or doing a bit of EFT and a bit of rebirthing and I'll have a bit of crystals, they're cool, you know, and I'll, I'll mix it all in and that'll make the system better. But by doing that, they've deviated from the path. And now as soon as you say to them, you know, come on, um, there's a step-by-step -step process we've been to follow. Normally what you get back in your face is, oh, you're a, this is very sort of um, authoritarian or um, you know, this is very restrictive, or this is dogma, you're caught in dogma, you're too much of a traditionalist, you're, you're set in your ways and you're following a dogmatic path and that's not the way. Um, and actually, 
as soon as someone gives that argument to you, you know they're already there's there's a chances of success at what they want is it's hugely limited. It's not there. If you can't follow instructions, you can't do it. Now, what you then have is made-up systems and modern teachers. You get modern teachers saying no system is required. Okay, right. No system is required. So what does that mean? Well, that means you have countless variables of things that can happen in your mind, countless variables that can happen in your energy body, countless variables happening in your physical body. There's, there's an infinite plethora of things you can do, like, and, and <laughs> with so many combinations, you're essentially, uh, if, if, you know, if, I know it's a little bit too literal to think of it like this, but if only a certain series of combinations sets up the causations you require to create a certain effect, how are you going to find that? You cannot, in your lifetime, with a made-up system, uh, or, or finding your own way, or just being free, because I'm from California, man, and I can do what I want. Apologies to the cut. I know some very serious Californians, so I don't know why Californians get a hard time, don't they? It's kind of the equivalent of, um, I guess, England sort of Totnes or Glastonbury or something like that, and they get a very hard time, and that's not really fair, because there's some very serious practitioners there. But there is also a vibe in those kind of areas amongst many people, where it's, hey man, we're all free, we'll all find our own way, and stuff like that. No, you won't. You seriously won't. In your lifetime, in your several years of training, in your adult lifetime, you will, you will never achieve the same or come to the same level of realizations and wisdoms about the causation chain that it leads to awakening as a lineage that has 20, 30, 40 generations of prior experience going back into the ages. Um, there's a reason that things are done in a set way and, and what they do is they set up the causation that leads to the results. I've never met anybody yet in all my years who made up a system or just followed their own way or taught themselves who's ever really got anywhere, to be perfectly honest. Anything beyond being a bit calm, a bit chilled out, but that's not the same as cultivation. So you will need a system. The argument then is sometimes you meet people that have, have awakened or, or come to deep realizations and they'll say you don't need a system. Okay, and they'll say you don't need it. No, I don't need a system, man. Just look inside. Okay, that's true. But look at the history of the person who's saying that. They always had a system. They always had a system. Now, this is a curious thing about this path, and this is something that I'm, I'm horrified that isn't seen more often. It's that you walk a path, but at some point, you step off the path. When you step off the path, if you've walked the path enough, then you will achieve what you're supposed to achieve but you must walk the path first. So what you get is normally very realized teachers who trained incredibly hard, incredibly hard. They did like sincere, severe, in Chinese they call it chewing bitter, you know, severe internal training, gave up a lot, huge amount of sacrifice. And then at some point they just go, oh, and they step off the path and they kind of give up and then they achieve awakening. And then what happens is that teacher says, well, actually the awakening didn't come from anything. It's weird, I don't understand the logic. So the teacher says, well, I wasn't doing anything when I achieved awakening, so therefore, clearly a methodology is not reason needed, a system is not needed. Why can they not see that the causations were established in their body because of all the training they did, and then when they stepped off the path, they relaxed, they gave up. And often you hear the same, I trained for so long, and then I, I just quit because I just realized I wasted my, boom, there's awakening. The awakening happened because of the work, okay? It happened because of the, because of the path you walked. In Japan, they say that the biggest part of any tradition is knowing when to leave the tradition. But you must go through the tradition first, okay? The path that can be walked, walked is not the real path in Taoism, true, but there's still a path and you have to walk along it first before you step off of it. 
And the problem is that people are either stepping off of the path too early or they're not even engaging in a path. They're wandering off in the wilderness. And I think that these teachers who have trained incredibly hard and then just kind of chilled out, gave up and achieved awakening are doing students a disservice when they say that the path wasn't needed because it's a part of your history. It's a part of your history. It's very similar to internal martial arts and people get very, very good at Tai Chi or Bhagwan and they say you don't need external arts. You don't need Shaolin Kung Fu. You don't need boxing. You don't need wrestling. None of these things. But when you look at their history, their training history, they always have a long, extensive um, history in external martial arts or combat that they then gave up. They didn't give it up. It's still built into your system. It's still built into your nervous system. It's still built into your mind. It's built into your being. It's still a part of who you are. So even though you've achieved results in the internal arts, the external arts still formed a part of your history. If you want to achieve the same as somebody who has achieved a very high level, you have to walk a very, very similar path. And this is the point of a tradition of a lineage. So when people say to me, which they often do, you're too traditional, you're too dogmatic. Well, first of all, I think I'm quite modern because I tend to um, put things in ways that people can understand. But I do stick very much to the method and I don't like the Californian floaty. Just look inside and you'll find awakening because it's not true. It's definitely not true. I'm sorry. Um, of a lifetime of being in these arts, I've seen the difference in the results. So it's very, very clear. Um, and I think that you can step away from a tradition when you understand it. So that's the next thing, you'll need a tradition. After this, you'll need a teacher. Now that might sound obvious, and I'm not even going to explore this one but much, but you'll need someone who is fairly experienced in that tradition, um, who has experience in it. The reason I say that is because the amount of people I've met and I say, who was your teacher? And they say, oh, a spirit taught me, or my intuition taught me, or you know, something like this, an alien from the Pleiadian system. Right, even if you have an immortal spirit, maybe you have a, uh, you know, a, one of these guys coming to you, or maybe you have the best intuition ever, none of that will ever replace something that you will get from a living teacher, which is clear, direct instruction. Do not follow the immortal that visit you in your mind because you don't know how much delusion is involved in that system and it could you could just be talking to your own rambling mind maybe you have maybe you have spoken to an immortal maybe the aliens are teaching you but you'll still need a real teacher in the real world to help you as well um, and they should be the uh, prime source of your information that's the first thing that you know that, that you should keep in mind when looking for a teacher you need a real person okay so some of you listening to that, that'll sound crazy like What's he talking about? You'd be surprised how many people I've met who just say, oh, an immortal taught me, or something like this. Do you, have you had a real teacher? No. Right, okay, well, that explains why you're struggling a little bit on the path. Next thing you'll need um, isn't necessary, but I think you'll need some friends. <laughs> it sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? I think you need some friends who are following the path as well. I think that's quite useful. I mean, Buddhists have their sort of sangha, don't they, their community. I don't think you need a community, it doesn't, you don't have to be living in a cult or something like this, but I think it's quite useful to have people who are following a similar path uh, to talk to. I think that can be really helpful. Um, I think going solo is kind of tricky. And these days it's, you know, you've got people practicing, they live on their own in the middle of nowhere, you've got the internet, so even if you can't meet people in person, you can still chat with people with like minds and, and bounce ideas off each other. I think that's quite useful. It can be a lonely path sometimes anyway. So. Um, if you are interested in cultivating, get some kind of friends, get some community you can talk to who are doing similar, similar things um, to you. That's very, very important. Okay, next thing for cultivation, what do you need? You need to be strong in yourself, okay? That's just a fact. You need to be strong in yourself. 
Now, you don't need to be perfect, you know, and I don't mean you have to have no fragilities or, or nothing going on. But if you are someone who is psychologically struggling with life, you're going to find it very hard to follow the path of cultivation. The path of cultivation will not give you that strength either. Um, because if anything, the path of cultivation actually slowly breaks you down. It takes away uh, more than it builds up, I would say. So there has to be a certain degree of resilience there already, certainly mentally, probably energetically, and probably physically to a certain extent as well, realistically, which is why so many traditions have body work, like Tai Chi or Qigong or yoga or something. They always have, there's body work involved in a lot of systems. Now, you need strength in yourself because if I had to look for any one reason, why? It's because of acceptance, okay? And this, this is really where I sometimes lose people, I guess, is that when you're looking at, say, life, say you're looking at life, the nature of the world, and, and some people look at life and they think it's rosy, but I would say that most cultivators don't look at life and think it's rosy. I think most of them look and they see problems. They see problems in their own life, in their own emotions, in their own heart, things have happened in their own traumas. Maybe they look at the world governments and they think the Illuminati are going to microchip us any second or whatever, you know. And they look out into the world and they see all of this badness, these wrongdoings and things like this, and then they want to buck against it. And, and weirdly, I've seen it all mixed in. So I've even seen the description of the third eye being opened has actually been described as knowing what the government are doing to uh, control you through a conspiracy. So your third eye is open if you understand chemtrails and stuff. Like, what the fuck are you on about? That is not having your third eye open. If you think your third eye opening means to know conspiracy theories, then you're definitely lost. That's not what the third eye opening is. But a lot of people will look and see the world like this and, and they'll kind of want to fight it. And you see this very sort of, um, it's sort of social justice movement, which is quite controversial. I know people have mixed feelings about it. That's kind of the way the world is going. So sort of social justice and fixing everything, which is a grand ideal, but not always played out in the right way, you know. Um, I think that what people should realize is that before you try to exact any change, you must be able to accept the nature of what something is, especially as a cultivator. I'm not talking about everybody but I think as a cultivator that's very very important because if you look and you see an injustice and it causes you pain I would say that you already there's a few problems in there that need sorting so sometimes people think that I'm horrible because I say look you have to be able to look and see the pain in the world and then accept it for what it is and this is where it causes problems now I don't think that acceptance means acceptance well acceptance to me does not mean I look at it and I go that's right that should be happening that persecution should be happening Acceptance means I look at it and I go, yes, that is what's happening in the world. It doesn't cause me pain. It doesn't cause me any pain. I accept it. Once I accept it, then it doesn't cause me any difficulties. Then if I make the choice that that is an injustice I wish to right or change, then I can do that. But that's where that position must come from. Now, this sounds weird because I'm already getting off the path of cultivation because this is more like social justice, right? But the reason I'm talking about it is because a lot of people into cultivation come from that kind of mindset. They, they view the outside world in a similar way to how they view the inside. They see the suffering in the outside world and the suffering inside themselves. So they, this kind of, those kind of people tend to be drawn to this kind of work. But what I see is when people look out and they see difficulty and it angers them, then I would say they don't have acceptance. Now, part of the problem is when you look inside as a cultivator, you're going to see all of your issues, your traumas, and you have to be able to accept them, go, okay, that's what's going on. But if you look inside and it's emotionally difficult and crippling and upsetting and, oh God, I'm such a mess, 
then you don't have acceptance. It means you're already coming from the wrong place. You don't have the platform, the foundation from which to springboard into the next stage. Once the acceptance is there so that there is sort of equanimous, you know, how do you say that word? There's equanimity towards the experience of this part of you that you found. Once you have that sort of um, equanimous, that's how you say it, equanimous acceptance of what you see, then you can cultivate. Okay, then you can develop, pass it, or evolve, or change, or transform, or, or whatever it is, whatever your system is involved. Some systems are upon stripping away, some systems are based upon adding. It doesn't matter. There must be that acceptance of what you see inside. Now, often you will know how people will see inside and accept by how well they look at the outside world. They, the two go hand in hand. If you see someone that can't accept the nature of life, then they can't accept the nature of what's inside them. And this is the problem. And most people, that's me, excuse this, a lot of people, but most people who get involved in these arts don't have the personal strength to accept the nature of discomfort or suffering. I would say that's the biggest thing that's holding people back in cultivation. They look at that, ah, look at that injustice. Ah! And it causes all this emotional upset. Now, that's not how I view the world, not at all. So for me, okay, what's the corrupt cops or whatever? Yeah, of course, they're cops. They're corrupt. That's what cops do. Racism in society. Yeah, all right. Like I accepted, society is racist. Okay, that it's there. If it's on, people argue about whether it's systemic level or personal. I don't know, but of course, racism is the thing. Sexism is the thing. Yeah, of course. I accept that all of those things are there. There are people starving and suffering. I accept that all of those things are there. Does that mean that I'm cold-hearted towards them? No, not at all. If ever I can do anything to right that personal injustice that I think is wrong, I will do it. But I will do it from a place of acceptance first. It doesn't mean I like the brutality of cops or the corruption of politicians or the sexism or the racism or whatever. I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with those things. I'm acceptant of those things. Whereas other people will look and they go, look at that. And you can feel it like the pain, the, the suffering, the dukkha is just amplified through them. It means they don't have enough strength in themselves. So what's happening is that outside event is affecting their inside too much. Whereas someone who has acceptance goes, okay, this doesn't affect me. Now I'm in a better position to actually say, well, something should be done about this. And I can do it in a, an objective fashion. Most people don't have the strength to do that. Everything is based on emotion. If it emotionally affects them, then they want to get involved. If it doesn't emotionally affect them, then they just ignore it and they carry on. That doesn't mean that you're coming from the right place. That means you're coming from a place of a being emotionally affected. That is not the position a cultivator should come from. My decision to help is not based on emotion. It's based upon that's the right thing to do. My decision to not get involved is not because it doesn't emotionally stir me. Um, it's because my sense of self hasn't been affected anyway, so I can objectively decide how to join in or not join in. That might sound strange, like I say, when I'm talking about cultivation, but if you take, I can see this in the personality of how people interact with the world. I already know how they interact with themselves because the inside and the outside are matched. I'm pretty sure that's mentioned in the Eastern Arts quite a lot uh, in various ways. So when you then look inside, you will approach the nature of yourself in the same way that you have approached the environment. You've approached the injustices of life and I can see it. This is why people that are very emotionally affected by the outside all the time, I gotta go out and scream and sort this injustice. I already know they'll never make cultivators. But at the same time, people that are just harsh and go, ah, you know, those people deserve it and they're just fine, they'll also not make cultivators. 
They're not, they're not people that look and go, you know, the racism is fine, it's good, because that race deserves to be held down. Those people will not make cultivators either because they believe they're coming from a more realistic position, but they're not. They're actually coming, um, really, they're coming from an emotional place themselves. They're just coming from a place of domineering rather than neutrality, if you get what I mean. So if you have like neutrality to what's going on, someone who feels like they're the underdog, is very emotionally sort of hurt by it. Someone who feels like they're in a position above might feel like they're very sort of equanimous to that thing that's going on, but it's not. It's just affecting them differently because they're in a higher position. From the person underneath who's not strong in themselves, what you'll see is emotional upset. From the person who's above, what you'll see is almost like a sneering self-satisfaction of what's going on, almost like a pomposity builds up in them. Both of these are equally wrong. What should be as a neutral acceptance of, okay, that's going on, a person is suffering, doesn't affect me, but it's wrong, if that makes sense. you know, It's that neutrality to it that's important. Do not mistake somebody who is in a higher position than someone else, being pompous and sneering down at them, as being any different from the screaming, wailing, over-the-top, stereotypical snowflake or whatever. You know, there's, there's no difference between the two. They're just coming from a different position. Those things are very important, I think, to understand for cultivation um, because I think those are the kind of things you need to look at in yourself and see whether they're there because those are the kind of qualities that are required to really engage with this path to um, any great depth, uh, I, I believe. Now, of course, people listen to this will go, well, that's just your opinion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just my opinion. It's my opinion of um, practicing and I'm advising and people can ignore this if they want to, but that's my opinion of it, um, of what, uh, what people require. The next thing you need is freedom. Okay, so what do you need freedom from? Well, you need freedom from, and this, this is funny, when I went to see one of my alchemy teachers, early days, you know, and actually it was an alchemy teacher I didn't stay with, because I, not because not he was bad, but just, I, I just met someone else that was more in line with what I was after, but he was very good still. I went to this alchemy teacher, I was only with him for a few months, not very long, um, and I just asked him, in my naivety, what do I need if I really want to do this? You know, I was, I was at that burning desire stage and I wanted that advice. And I expected a method or a mantra or maybe a magic pill, who knows. But what I got was a simple piece of advice. You need to be financially independent. <laughs> that was the first piece of advice. I was like shocked, financially independent. I came all the way to China to meet this alchemist and he told me I need to be financially independent. And I remember listening, I was quite young, right? So excuse my naivety, I went away and thought, well, that wasn't what I expected. But then as I, I came to um, well, grow up a bit, I realized how true that is. Now, you don't need to be rich. Uh, that's not true. They're definitely not. You need to be at a stage, realistically as a cultivator, where you're not going to be beset with financial worries and stresses all of the time. It's just a fact. One of the big stresses in life um, is to have not enough money. And I remember that. I've been extremely poor at different times. Um, incredibly like not knowing how I was gonna afford the the rent or my next meal even sometimes at certain times but um, you know that situation changed but I remember very much the stress about that you know the stress but what often happens is people then get more money um, and then their life becomes more extravagant and then they're still in the same situation any, anyway because their incomings and outgoings kind of match. So it's a, it's a weird trap to get in. So you don't need to be rich, but you need to make sure that you can comfortably um, afford to live. 
basically. That, that's what's required. If you really want to be a cultivator, you don't want to be stressing constantly about whether you're going to, electricity is going to get cut off any moment or whether you're going to afford to eat or anything like that. You'll need to be financially independent, just a fact. Uh, one of the greatest um, models to come out of Western sociology, psychology, I'm not quite sure what it is, is Maslow's hierarchy of need, which talks about how people can achieve self-actualization, right? It's not a spiritual thing, but it's very similar. And what it is is a pyramid of needs, if you haven't seen it. And the base of the needs is, is like um, life needs, basically. You need food, you need shelter, um, and things like this. And you will need to have that taken care of you. The whole idea of the, the poor bum who sort of goes from sofa couching his way through a spiritual journey is not, is not really going to work for you. So you also need to be supportive enough, in a way, for yourself that you're not having to grind 12-hour night shifts or something like I did when I was younger. That's all I did it. And steel works it wasn't great for my training to be perfectly um, honest about it you need something that gives you a little bit of freedom so these days a lot of people who get into cultivation find something they could do if they're not born into money of course um, like online working or, or something like this and this is the kind of um, you know this kind of background this kind of support of practicality uh, needs to be there for the path it's un it might sound like a strange thing to talk about but it's unrealistic to pretend that that isn't a factor. You need to have those kind of worldly stresses out the way. There's a saying, isn't there, within these arts, that you need to be of the world, but not affected by the world. That's just um, a fact. Okay. So you need those practicalities taken care of. And like I say, you don't need to be wealthy. You just need to figure out what you need. And some people's cost of living is a lot lower than others. Some people have families. Cost of living is going to be higher. Um, some people live in expensive areas. I mean, I've advised people before, like, look, if you want to be a cultivator, move to a cheaper area. Don't live in the middle of the most expensive area of the country. Go somewhere cheaper uh, so that it, it, you, can, you can live more um, frugally, you know. I mean, I did that. I, I moved to cheaper areas uh, at different times so that I, it's like, okay, I have a slight drop in the quality of the area I'm in, but it means I'm more comfortable with regards to finances and there's stress on me. I'm not living in the middle of London or something like that where I'm constantly worried about cash. So I have a little bit of mental space uh, to focus on my practice. It's just sensible to me. Uh, next thing, you need to take care of any vices that you have. Um, and this one might sound obvious as well, but again, people will not do this first. They think that cultivation is going to take away the vices. No, the vices need taking away before you engage with the cultivation realistically, or certainly alongside it, but you'll need to take care of those first. So you get people coming along and say, I'm desperate to achieve this thing, but they have all these addictions. They have addictions to alcohol, they have addictions to food, they have addictions to sex, pornography, smoking, I don't know what it is, TV, Netflix. They have all of these addictions, these vices, these habits. Now cultivation um, of the highest level, you know, if that's really what you want to achieve, that liberation, is, is the idea is that it liberates you from something much, much higher than these kind of things. These are like low level things. If you're still addicted to alcohol, the chances of you liberating yourself from the nature of mind or, or samsara thing is, is almost non-existent. You're not going to manage it. It's like you have to have the personal will to overcome those vices in the first place. That foundation um, of personal strength or whatever it is, a personal fortitude to overcome those vices must be there first. And you can almost consider these, because everyone has them to a certain extent, different things, don't they? Different gradients of, but we all have them. Is Maybe that's a test for yourself. You know, I really want to cultivate. Do you have the strength to overcome your personal vices? If you don't have the strength to overcome your personal vices, maybe one of the qualities that is required isn't there. Because 
the last thing to talk about, I think, in this one is a lot of people think that the cultivation path is their medicine, is their thing that's going to cure them all these things. No, it's not. No, it's not. It'll do that on a different level. But all of the things that can be sorted without needing cultivation, if you get what I mean, like I don't need a spiritual system to get rid of my addictions. I don't need a spiritual system to eat better. I don't need a spiritual system to improve my sleep patterns or my health habits. Like, do all of those first. Get all of those taken care of in normal ways, like normal people do, be normal. And then after that, the cultivation is built on top. Otherwise, what you end up doing is you're trying to fight a two-pronged battle, like in two directions, where you're trying to cultivate, but you're also trying to deal with all of these weaknesses in your own personal habits and behavioral patterns. Don't do it that way. Use, maybe use that as the first sort of um, self-test that you do. Can you clear your vices? Deal with your head, center yourself, make yourself personally strong so you have an objective ability to accept the nature of existence, the nature of self, um, get your health sorted. Can you make yourself comfortably enough financially that you don't have all those stresses in life and you have a little bit of freedom and you have enough time? Can you sort all of that? Most of us in the West have the potential to do that if we really wish to. And straight away, I can already hear the anger of that. Yeah, but what if I'm born in this area, born in that area? Well, yeah, okay, it's difficult. If you're in the West, it's difficult. If you're born in a shitty place and you are all these stressors, no money, and you're born in the hood or something like that, it's, yeah, okay, it's difficult to get yourself out of that socio-economic pit that you start in. It's hard to climb out of. But it's not the same as being born in Cambodia as one of these kids that lives on a rubbish tip with no parents, you know, like I've seen. I've seen these little starving orphans just living in squalor out there in Asia. Those guys have no chance, right? Somebody born in the West, born in a difficult, you do have a chance. Okay, it's difficult for you, but you ain't the same as some other people elsewhere on the planet. Now, weirdly, when I've said that, people get furious at me. Um, and they often make the mistake of thinking I came from a comfortable uh, beginnings. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't come from wealth. I didn't come from an extremely awful position either. I certainly didn't come from wealth. Um, I didn't come from a comfortable place. I I'm not a rich, lad and I didn't come with it, like definitely not um, and okay it was a hindrance but in the west we have enough freedom to pull yourself out of that it's weird how angry people get at that because they say well you just didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps no I'm not I'm implying that you will need a monstrous sense of self-will and power to get out of that beyond what most people have maybe maybe most people don't have the ability to pull themselves out of that but then realistically they probably don't have the burning desire that is needed to be a cultivator either. If you don't have the power to pull yourself out of 